This episode of Vintage Stormfront Freaks has been previously recorded. Well, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening device. We are the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Our, our listener base is really growing right now, and we love it, so thank you. This is episode 15. We will be talking with the Weather Channel's winter weather expert, Tom Nizzle, and he'll be joining us in our discussion about the challenges of forecasting winter storm snowfall amounts. All right, so welcome back. Uh, so we, we've got Tom with us here tonight, and so we, we thought it'd be fun to kind of discuss winter storm snowfall forecasting and really talk a little bit about how specific should the media get or how specific can they be. And so what I, I first wanted to do is bring up an article um, in uh, NJ.com. It's by Len Melisurgo, and it's called, Here's What Five Forecasters Are Saying About the Expected Weekend Storm. Now, I'm not going to give you the date yet of this storm, but I, I'm going to talk a little bit, uh, as the article does, uh, talk about this upcoming weekend storm uh, that's that was up in the Northeast. So he basically went on to, the whole premise of the article was the fact that here's five major for, weather forecasting entities, and all of them are kind of coming up with some different solutions. And then I'm going to tell you what the actual result was and, and the storm and everything else. So this upcoming uh, nor'easter, basically, so it was up in the Northeast, National Weather Service, so basically what he talked a little bit in the article about is the National Weather Service, uh, at, at least at the time, and they may now too as well, but didn't really go out on a limb too much in talking about snowfall amounts. They talked just mostly about uh, the fact, he says here, National Weather Service says, there's a potential for substantial precipitation, both snow and rain, gusty winds could cause additional issues with blowing and drifting, uh, potential exists mile per hour gusts along the coast um blah 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 blah. so they didn't get a whole lot into it uh as far as snowfall amounts accuweather uh which is up in state college pennsylvania uh where of course brady did his internship as everybody probably knows unless you're listening for the first time uh <laughs> yeah, they basically yeah, yeah. predicted they were predicting about 18 to 24 inches uh, in northwestern New Jersey and the Lehigh Valley region, and of course some of the other regions less than that, but they were forecasting up to 18 to 24 inches. Um, the Weather Channel, uh, and you know what, I, I take that back. AccuWeather, I was, I was reading ahead, AccuWeather, he said, was stating roughly about 6 to 12 inches of snow. And in the hardest hit areas, if the rain developed to snow maybe one to two feet, okay? It was the Weather Channel predicting eight to 24 inches. Weather Works, a private weather consulting firm, uh, was, was on the line predicting that the weekend storm could be a blizzard. They weren't predicting any snowfall amounts. Um, they could be the blizzard of, of this particular year. I won't give the year yet. And the fifth one they had was the Eastern PA Weather Authority, uh, who, on Monday before the event was forecasting roughly 18 to 24 inches of snow, okay? So different levels, some were forecasting snowfall amounts, some weren't. 
Uh, anybody want to guess what the storm was? Which storm? Jonas? It was. Yeah, so yeah. this was Winter Storm Jonas, otherwise also known as Snowzilla. January <laughs> 22nd to the 24th of this year of 2016, uh, where there was up to three feet of snow in the mid-Atlantic and northeast area. So the, the question obviously comes, the challenges, and there's a perfect example of forecasting snowfall amounts, and really also trying to ask the question, does location factor into early prediction? In the, the question about location, meaning if your forecast entity is located uh no, location-wise, as far as where are where are you located where this storm is hitting, does that create some of the challenge? And we talked a little bit about that when we were talking with you earlier, Tom, but maybe you can give us your two cents. It's such a uh, it's such a challenge all the way around. There are so many factors that come into play um, when you are trying to predict what that atmosphere above you is going to be like, its temperature structure and how these massive storms actually evolve. Um, trying to forecast, in my mind, snowfall amounts more than three days into the future to begin with, I think can oftentimes be a futile task. But people need to have that information to plan. And in this day and age, when you're running a school system or you've got to bring in salt and extra crews for uh, clearing operations, you want to have some ideas to maybe what are the odds that we're going to have a big storm. And to me, that's a real important factor that we're starting to look into now in how to communicate the potential for a snowstorm for an area. And that is something we refer to as um, probability forecasting. So if I told you, well, we're looking at this, I can't give you an actual amount, but there's an 80% chance that we're going to get over a foot of snow. And oh, by the way, there's a 20% chance we're going to get only two or three inches. It gives people a maybe a better idea that, well, eight out of 10 times, I'm going to get hit big. But you know, there are two out of 10 times and we're not going to see anything out of this. This idea of doing probability forecasting and being able to communicate and educate the public to that is... Um, is something that a lot of forecasters and scientists are talking about these days. So I hope I didn't jump the gun here on explaining that, but forecasting snowfall is a can be an extremely inaccurate science. Um, so is that where they start to use terminology as forecasters instead of coming down to numbers, they would say this could be a nuisance snow or a shovelable snow or a plowable snow or a little bit more, but still not too quantitative? That's another nice way to, to describe that because it's a way that a lot of people who deal with this on a daily basis can assess the impacts. Shovelable snow, oh boy. That means it's <laughs> going to be tough to get the car out of the driveway. Um, I'm going to have to take more time. To get the driveway shoveled, it's definitely going to take time to get to work. The parking lot may not be cleared. It kind of puts all that into someone's mind. So that's terminology, at least, that can give some people an idea as to what the impact is going to be. 
um, we love to throw around numbers a lot. So, um, but not everybody kind of equates all of these numbers in their minds. So that's another good way to maybe to communicate or assess impacts. Yeah, Tom, and I think I think that's probably the biggest challenge because you can be the best forecaster, but if, if you can't communicate your forecast in a way that makes sense, because the people, you know, most people in, in public or at least, you know, a decent amount of them still think, you know, they hear chance and they're like, oh, meteorologist, you don't know what you're, you know, you say it's going to be 50 percent. So one thing's going to happen. You don't really know what's going to happen. So I think it's it's very important that we communicate it in a very effective way. And, and I think people on social media, you know, I actually did a story for this for our uh, local newspaper um, or our local TV station, The Lantern. Um, all these people on Twitter that have access to these models now, they, they'll post these, you know, yes. I remember last year. Um, there was someone on Twitter that posted a 15-day GFS <laughs> model, and it showed Columbus getting like 32 inches of snow oh, in, like, in like 48 hours. And they and right next to it, they had a picture of a train bowling through like five feet of snow, <laughs> saying, "We're you know we're all going to die." And and they were like sort of serious, and they had uh, you know a couple thousand followers on Twitter. And so I think that's a big part, you know, big part of that problem is. Is because you can't just not allow these people to communicate that to the public, but you have to somehow, you know, make the accredited institutions, you know, be able to have more input than some of these other, you know, other people on Twitter that just don't know what they're doing. And well, here comes the train. I hear in the background. <laughs> yeah, so that's yep. that's in my neighborhood. I put put that in as a sound effect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You hit on a great point there, and I, I have to touch on this one, too, because you mentioned this forecast that comes out from this Twitter person. You don't know who that person is. They've got like 2,000 followers. Mm -hmm. Well, if you dig into it a little more, he's 11 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. You're right. And he's working out of his p parents' basement. And the, the, the young, the, this young forecaster um, extraordinaire who wants to go to school and learn about weather and meteorology is grabbing these model maps from 15 days out yeah. and putting them out there like it's some PhD uh, right. who's doing this. So you're right, especially in today's social media world, there's all kinds. You can get any forecast you want. At 300 hours on the GFS, there's always a blizzard. Yep. Uh, uh, so, so that's very important as well. Uh, you know, in naming winter storms across the United States um, and learning about all the, oh my God, the challenges that you have in a place like Denver or in in um, Boston or in DC or you, you go on and on with this, um, we have to be very very careful, especially meteorologists in in wish casting or yeah. <laughs> or well man it 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 we've had three model runs now that show that there's going to be a storm five days out let's tell people how much they're going to get we have to be really careful about that um because as you all know the farther out in time you get the more uncertainty you're going to get typically in forecast. Now, there are some weather patterns that will develop a, uh, develop a weather system that, um, that the models can latch onto and they have very good success with. And in some cases, we can forecast with pretty good accuracy three, four days out how much snow is going to fall in an area. But in most of the cases, that's very difficult to do. In the same storm, 
we could forecast with very good accuracy what part of that storm may get a lot of snow, but in another part of the storm where the precipitation type may be changing, there's complete uncertainty. So, um, so I, I take us back to this probability forecasting that we look at, the probability that something is going to occur. And running a whole bunch of computer models, we refer to as ensemble model forecasting, where we have a whole bunch of members of a team that start out with just little different initial conditions. They use little different microphysics and that in the models. And we run these time and time again, and we develop a consensus among these models. We then can come up with a kind of a probability of the different odds we have to an area getting a certain type of precipitation or a certain amount of snow. And that's what a lot of researchers are looking at these days. And um, that I know in the National Weather Service, they're looking at this very seriously. Jen, Jen, what can you, from a social media standpoint, uh, in all of this? Because that, I mean, we haven't gotten into that, right? We're just talking about the challenges that multiple weather entities are having and then you throw in that social media aspect well and that's the the problem nowadays it seems like everyone has access to you know computer models all the different computer models and back in the day i don't think that was the case and we've got a lot of big weather geeks and having social a place where you can just post and, and do whatever you want a lot of people and they're uneducated but they're excited they think they may know what they're looking at and they'll post something like that like 14 15 days out and they don't even understand what they're looking at and they post it and they scare everyone and some of them actually have a decent amount of followers and it's one thing for everybody to know that they need to trust uh their source of weather information they gotta be able to you know look in depth at that person that's providing that information and actually see who that is is that 11 year old boy that's actually <laughs> in his parents basement or is it a, you know accredited meteorologist that actually has a degree and most meteorologists on social will say they're an actual meteorologist what school they went to that sort of a thing they'll have their credentials on there so it's something to double check if you see something wild like that make sure that you just check the source the problem is if someone posts something like that it freaks people out and it goes like viral. I know some Facebook posts have gone viral like that and it's our job and it makes it very difficult for us to have to be like, okay, that's not true, calm people down, that's not gonna happen. So it, unfortunately, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Social media is great, it's a great way to reach people and give the forecast, but you've got other people on there who aren't meteorologists giving the forecast too. So the best thing to do is make sure you know the person you're getting the information from and it's a trusted source, whether it's a network, a local TV station, an individual meteorologist, just make sure you know they're a accredited person. Well, yeah, and, and Jen, here's didn't the, we used to go ahead, Phil. Well, Weather I was going to ask Maz, and I think Maz is going to jump in there too, but I'm curious, Maz, just from a local forecasting standpoint, with the experience you've got, you know, in, in a local what what are the what are the pros and cons with being able to and and the rest of you can kick in too from from a national standpoint trying to forecast for local uh snowfall amounts well the one plus is obviously being able to pronounce the names of towns better than on a national level just saying but um <laughs> but, <true. laughs> but you know i would say like like tom i would never ever in my wildest 
ever go up against him forecasting for Buffalo because <laughs> he is probably the greatest expert time in the world because he's lived there. He's forecast there. He's worked there. He's done the science there. So there's something to be said about someone who has been in a localized area for a long time. All right. Um, but that being said, I, I can't turn the channel off. I love it. I love it. I love watching you guys. You're awesome. Thanks. Thanks. And that'll be $10. (laughs) At the weather channel, it can be hard to forecast, I think locally, um, because a lot of local meteorologists have been there, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or more, and they know the area and the weather systems and how it impacts them, you know, their microclimates and all that. Um, but at the Weather Channel, we have so many people there that are from so many different areas and know those little things in those different regions, little small towns. And that does help us out a lot, whether it's an on-camera meteorologist or a meteorologist behind the scenes. But still, sometimes we don't know some of the really, you know, intricate, you know, really, really small microclimates. Right, right. I agree. But I do think there's something you said, too, about the Weather Channel, because, you know, people aren't, you know, say the National Weather Service were to put on, you know, start their own local TV station. I can guarantee you a lot more people would still want to watch the Weather Channel. So even though some of these forecasters have some of these nuances of these local networks, people might ever, ever, you know, hear about them because these weather, you know, meteorologists might not have a chance to communicate them. So that's you know, one thing that the Weather Channel has is they can attract a bigger audience, you know, because I know my, none of my friends are ever going to watch, you know, a, a local weather cast from a, a local meteorologist or a National Weather Service meteorologist. That's some, you know, something that the Weather Channel has going for them is they can actually attract a bigger audience to that platform. That's well, and I'll, I'll say this last and I'll throw this out uh, to everybody. It's kind of the last question, but what... I guess what two things with this question. Number one is with the current prediction abilities that we have, what's the best, what's the best solution? Is it going to this probability uh, small amount scenario? Is that the best solution? Number two is what's the science that we're missing without getting too sciencey? What's the, you know, what are we missing that's going to allow us to maybe better predict snowfall amounts. I would say the one thing about the probability is if it's more than say 48 hours, maybe stick with more probabilities. And then within 48 hours, then you start to try to give totals. Good. I I like that. That's kind of what we've been trying to do lately, at least even with on the lift. Um, You know, I, I tell you, there's days I remember being in a room with like 20 Mets looking at a storm and every model was different. The Euro was different. The GFS was different. The RPM was a little different. Like all these, and, and I was like, thank God it is not up to me to make this decision because I just need to throw my hands up yeah. and go, I just, I don't know. And um, I remember because it was one of those big snowstorms. There was a lot of ice involved, and once you get ice, you're shutting down cities. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's really tough. What, yeah. So what, what are we missing? What, what's, <clears throat> is there something from a scientific standpoint that will, that if we had more of this or 
whatever it is that's going to allow us to better forecast snowfall amounts. I mean, Do we know what that is. We have we have models, maybe higher resolution. I mean, they're getting better all the time. They're getting more high res all the time. I mean, it's just the tracks sometimes, though. I mean, if yeah. a track of a storm, I mean, even by like 20, 30 miles or less can really impact, especially like the backside of a storm and, mm-hmm. you know, the transition zone. I mean, it, it can be so difficult sometimes. I mean, you know, I think Tom talked about this before, like, you know, what area is going to get pounded. They're definitely going to get, you know, a set amount of snow, but it's the one that they could get sleet, freezing rain. Yeah. You, know, you don't know exactly where the, the storm's going to track it's difficult. I think it's just like Dina said, high resolution models, you know, our, our tools, you know, we need more improvement on that. But I like what um, Dina said about the probabilities. I think it's smart, you know, up until about two days ahead of time, do the probability forecasting and then start, you know, putting out totals. Well, yeah. And I think like, well, and like, Tom, yeah, go ahead, Mass. I was just gonna say, and I, and I think like everything, it's just, and I don't mean just experience of a person. I mean, I've watched the Weather Channel from like day one when it just like when MTV came out initially. <laughs> you know, I mean, I watch the Weather Channel has gotten so good at what it does that, you know what, people will, yeah, they'll still watch their local guys, but they're always going to turn, I believe, to the Weather Channel to see what's really going on. Okay. Yeah, and I and, and truthfully, Matt, you know, Maz, I'll be honest to, to our listeners, you know, he's he's speaking from the heart. I know we've got three Weather Channel people on tonight, but, but he's, he's speaking from the heart when he says that, and yeah. and I believe him as well. Brady, what what were you going to add? Well, and I think Phil, just like Tom was talking about earlier, you know, probability is the is the future of forecasting and ensembles, and that's where all the research being done. And you know, if you really look at what is going to give you the most accurate information. It's going to be looking at the ensembles. Cause like Tom said, you know, these it's taking one model and it's running it 52 different ways with 52 different initial mm-hmm. conditions. And that is how you can forecast more, you know, most accurately. You don't just take one model and say, Hey, that looks good for me. You know, I want snow and I think this is going to happen. So that's really why I think the future of forecasting is definitely going towards probabilities. And it already is, but that's really how you're going to make the most forecast, you know, the most accurate forecast. And also, you know, I think it, for improving these forecasts and models, you just need more data. We need we need to continue yeah. investing because that's, you know, the, if we had a sensor in every meter in the atmosphere, we would be able to predict weather a lot easier because we'd have much, much more data. But of course, that's not, you know, feasible. So we have to find other ways to get data in, in you know, m- convenient ways that we can collect it and process it um but that's how we're going to move forward in, in processing stuff more yeah because nasa just launched another satellite i mean yeah so i mean and that's going to improve i mean that's going to improve it a lot you know mm-hmm. and also understand the fact that if, if you haven't talked about this already um uh, don't poo-poo the idea of just how far we've come with computer modeling and how much more accurate our forecasts are uh, overall, uh, even in the last decade here. I mean, I go back through a long career and to see uh, just how much better the models are able to simulate the atmosphere and uh, how much more accurately we can predict going out in time, uh, it it really amazes me. Yes, we've got a long way to go, but um, 
we've come a long way as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. And I, I think it's easy for people to, to forget that, you know, this we, we've got satellites and this stuff's got to go to space and back. And, you know, we, we got to we got to realize what we've accomplished and, and what yeah. we've done. Kelly Williamson is our uh, guest tonight. He's a storm chaser and star of Storm Wranglers. So he's I read his bio and I was like, this this guy is so cool. OK, so he's a storm chaser. <laughs> He's a cattle rancher um, out of Southwest Missouri, and this is my favorite—a rodeo bullfighter. Gosh, <laughs> We've never, I've never talked to a rodeo bullfighter ever, so this is going to be fun. I'm excited about this. But you know, I love that you're wearing a Weather Channel hat. It's great, and yeah, I know you've done lots of um, live streaming with us and and the Weather Channel and and lots of uh, different outlets. But my one question, Kelly. And I think because I've known people who've done what you do, have you ever um, had a really close call that really scared you? Well, I had I had a couple. Well, a couple this year, but uh, the main one we had in uh, North Dakota this year, uh, we was kind of following a tornado along there, and uh, we was kind of cutting behind it. And when we cut around to go behind it, we met a second tornado coming down the road straight at us. And uh, that that was a little bit spooky in its own right there. It's about a hundred yards in front of us, and wow. we just kinda, we just kind of sat there and just kind of let it go by us on the right. And when it got to our right, then we went on down the road. So we just kind of <laughs> had to wait for it to get out of the way. Because <laughs> how many years have you been storm chasing? I think this will be my fifth year. Oh really? So I mean, do you guys usually have like how many people do you usually have out with you? Just me and Randy, pretty much, uh, you know, during the summer, a lot of times we'll have a camera guy with us, but uh, usually it's just me and Randy most of the time. Wow. Wow, because I, oh, go ahead, Jen. Um, So, Kelly, how did you get into storm chasing? Like, what sparked your first chase? You're like, you know what, I think I'm going to actually drive and try and catch this storm. (laughs) You know, I... (laughs) I did, all my whole life, you know, I've kind of been infatuated with, uh, you know, weather. You know, being a farmer, you know, all the farmers are wondering what the weather's going to be. It's going to rain, you know. So I've I've really paid attention, and I used to do a lot of pro fishing in that, and that's all around the weather. You know, so my whole life, ever since I was a little kid, you know, uh, what's the weather going to do tomorrow? So, you know, I just got infatuated with the storms and uh, kind of got into Skywarn. And uh, there just wasn't enough storms around here to suit me. So I went a little farther and a little farther. And now I'm going everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what's the busiest chase day you've ever had? Like how many tornadoes have you seen in one day? Uh, We've seen as much as probably seven or eight tornadoes in one day. You know, that was one good strong. Yeah, (laughs) that's good strong. Uh, We actually had the week of the Dodge City tornado. I really couldn't tell you how many we seen that week. You know, it was just like every day there was, uh, we'd see three or four tornadoes every day, just about that whole week. You know, it was just wild. So how did you get your show on the Weather Channel? Like, how did all that come about? You know, that that was kind of a deal. I didn't really expect it, you know, uh, I went down to a little meeting at the Weather Channel, and I think they they kind of had this planned and didn't fill me in on it. But uh, they actually asked me if I'd be interested in doing a show, and uh, actually I turned them down and told them no. You know, I wouldn't. I didn't. I didn't think I wanted to do that. You know, that it, I hadn't even thought about that. 
and yeah. uh, on the ride home, I got to thinking about it, and I thought, you dummy, you don't know where this would go. So I called them back and, and told them I'd, I'd try it. Great. Awesome. So get so Kelly, give us a little update on Storm Wranglers. Then what what's the what's the plan going forward here? Is there going to be another season? Um, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm sure that uh, a lot of the girls there that work down at the Weather Channel kind of know uh, they haven't had all their meetings yet, but. Uh, you know, the plans are right now. I'm sure they're going to have a few more this next year. It just depends on how much money they're going to budget for it and uh, how really strong we're going to go into it. Well, let, so so that's the update on Storm. How many, how many other episodes are there of Storm Wranglers? Uh, right now, so they, they, they're working on a third, but I, I, they haven't finished it yet. So, Kelly, what's harder, um, being a bullfighter or chasing a tornado? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, that's been a few years back when I've done that, but uh, you know, it's a lot the same. You know, you think so, there's similarities. Uh, you get in a bad situation and you can't lose your head. You know, you've kind of got to keep a cool head, just the same as you know, if you get close to a bull, if you lose your, you know, you're thinking and don't think right, things aren't going to go good. And it's the same way chasing a tornado. You know, if you get in a bad situation, uh, you need to keep your head and just you know, and think right, you know, not just go nuts. You know, you can get, it'll, it'll be a bad situation if you get too scared. Oh, I get that. So you own a farm. So what, who takes care of the farm when you're out chasing? Cause you're out chasing a lot now. Uh, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're on, I think so far, well, this year's over with, I think since April, we've done like 180 days. Wow. So, uh, we've been on the road an awful lot. And, uh, but, uh, my girlfriend, Carol, she takes care of the farm while I've gone and I've got one guy hard and it helps a little bit, but, uh, it's the woman behind the scenes that allows me to go. I hope you bring flowers. Flowers. Gifts, flowers. Now, Kelly, along, along those lines, do, you know, as, as a show, you guys are probably, you know, they, they don't pressure you to, to video tornadoes or get close to tornadoes, but how much of an input do they have? Like, are they telling you, Hey, you need to get this close. You need it. Or, or do they kind of let you do your thing? They, um, they you really, have kind of freedom about that. Yeah. They really push safety. You know, that's one thing that they really do. I'm, I'm guessing okay. a lot has to do with uh, Mike's better deal in Oklahoma, but yeah. uh, you know, a lot of that's they push in safety. You know, they say, if you don't, if you don't feel comfortable, don't go there. Uh, you know, so far I just try to get pretty close, but, uh, you know, safety's, safety's number one. You don't do something stupid yeah. because you might not get to do it again. Probably doesn't like that. You get, you're getting too close. I know, I know my mom doesn't want me going anywhere near a tornado. Yeah. Well, and, mom. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, I've got two other guys sometimes in the truck with me, so I'm kind of responsible for them too. So I, you know, I don't want to get them hurt and they've got two wives that might come after me if I did. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, we, we stay safe, you know, we're real good at staying, at staying safe and always keeping a couple outs. Kelly, what kind of uh, equipment do you use like to, to stay safe and to make sure that you guys, well, you know, I usually run. A, I usually run a, uh, two different radars, and then I, of course, you know, we both all got cell phones with roads on it, and uh, yeah. then actually I work with Stormview Live a lot, and uh, we've okay. actually got some people on Zello that's actually watching our back, 
you know, we, we okay. can talk to them on Zello if we get in any situation or something, you know, or if they see something coming up behind us and we're fixated on a storm, they'll let us know, you know, there's another storm coming up your south or, you know, the there's another road you need to take up here, you know. So I, there's people sitting at home helping us too. So it's not just us. There's a lot of people in the background. That's awesome. Yeah. And you've only been doing that, you said, for five years, Kelly. What And what I find interesting is you've gotten some great footage. Obviously, you've followed some great storms, and you've done all of that without having an atmospheric science or meteorological education. And so to me, not being a, a meteorologist, I think that's very interesting. What kind of advice would you have for other listeners that are, are just storm fanatics and want to get better at this, what did you have to do to get so good at it? And what's the advice you can give to them? You know, pretty much all my, the, what I learned come from social media, uh, YouTube, a lot on YouTube. You can find about anything you want to find on YouTube. You can go, there's a lot of Skywarn stuff that you can read on there. Uh, you know, I've read everything and listened to everything. And uh, that's one thing I do. I don't get just one thing i don't look at just one model and say that's the way it's going to be you know i listen a lot to dr forbes he's been around a lot uh i listen to the sbc i listen to a lot of the other chasers on what they're thinking and then i look at the models and uh, then i kind of put all that together and kind of what i think's going to happen but i i listen to everybody you know it's not just one deal that i look at i look at a lot of different deals and uh, see what I think is going to happen and don't just get stuck on one thing. And that's how you started. That's how you started. And that's how you're continuing to do it is just asking a lot of people getting a lot of input. Yeah. You know, I've tried to get a lot of input from the weather channel, you know, some, and they, they say, you know, you, we hired you for what you do, just keep doing it, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes they, they don't want me to do something different. They don't want me to change things. So, uh, so far it's worked, you know, I don't get on every storm, you know, you just can't do that. You miss them. You know, there's a one in Oklahoma I missed last year and man, it, it still bugs me, but, uh, you know, you just can't get on all of them, but we get on all we can. What, what are the models that you're using? When you say you look at the models, which ones do you like that you tend to use the most? I really like the HRRR, but, uh, you know, that, that's the one I probably key on, you know, the good short term the mm -hmm. short stuff up close, but I'm not real good when it comes to looking out a week. I'm terrible at that. You know, I, well, I need some join, help on that. Join other meteorologists because <laughs> I tell you what, yeah, join us. Going out a join week, us. going out a week, it's still very tough for even for even. You know, I'm not even a meteorologist, or I'm not even a meteorologist yet, but it's still very tough for even the experts. So, and it's amazing, Kelly, because you always end up though in the right spot with like the best shot. Like we're always like at the Weather Channel, like he's on it again. I don't know how he does it, but he does. Like you're, <laughs> you're so good for only doing it for a few years. And some chasers have done it for like 10, 20 years. It's pretty incredible what you do. Well, it's, it's a lot of work and you can tell Randy. I, I tell him, I don't know how many times, go left, no go right, no turn around and go back. <laughs> You know, I drive, it, drive him nuts sometimes because, you know, we go a lot of miles, you know, and it takes a, a lot of miles to get good storms. So uh, just because, and I've, I found out one thing, just because it's a slight risk don't mean something's not going to happen. So that's, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. We're just, we're just there. And, you know, we go to, a, we get a lot of tornadoes. I think we've had, over, I've had over 40 tornadoes this year. 
And, uh, but Jeez. we've put on, we've had a lot of miles too. You know, a lot of people probably hadn't got that tornado, that many tornadoes, but they're had, they don't travel that many miles. You know, it's a lot of miles yeah. per tornado. Yeah. Kelly, you, you told us how many miles earlier. What was that number? Yeah. I, I worked, let's see, I've put, uh, 80,000 on the truck and we're over we're 20, 20 on this. So I'd say we're probably close to 90,000 this year. Wow. Oh, wow. That's Question: wild. Do you have car insurance for yes. hail and hail. some of those <laughs> yeah. other things? It's got to uh, no, be a, a nonstop problem. No, yeah. this one here we did. We do have a few dents in the new suburban, but my truck, I, <laughs> that, that hood's a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is. Now you've recently started chasing winter storms too. Is that correct? Yeah, I've always chased winter storms. I've never went to like New York and places like that, but. Uh, yeah, they started sending us on some winter storms. It's a little farther away. I've always done the stuff close to home, but it's really hard to travel a lot, you know, when you've got icy roads. So, yeah. you know, something goes off up north, you know, we can kind of get up there before it happens and and uh, kind of hunker in and take it. But uh, I've always done winter storms close to home. Nice. So what's, what's involved you in selling your videos? Because you talked about getting started. That's that's what you were trying to do is was sell the video footage. And then that became the game, right? Is getting enough storms to kind of keep uh, keep yourself afloat financially as well, which all chasers are facing that. So I guess, Kelly, what what's involved? How'd you get started into doing that? What's involved in going, hey, I've got a video. Now I want to sell it uh, what was your process getting started on that you know i actually started with bread adair when uh when i first started and uh, i i was with him for a long time and he taught me a lot of things on how to film you know i i really didn't i had never run a video camera that much and uh, i stayed with him a while and i was with Corey for a while and uh, you know i learned a lot from a lot of people there's a lot of people out there will help you if you're just willing to listen you know, they'll give you a lot of good advice and, uh, you know, you have to sell a little bit along to, to travel a lot. You know, you put a lot of miles on, it gets kind of expensive. Yeah. Are you using a service or, or is, is that how it is with the, the guys you were with? Uh, yes. Yes. I was, uh, with severe studios and, uh, Corey, he helped me a lot, you know, on my filming and that. Uh, you know, I'm still learning a lot on filming since I've went to the Weather Channel doing some interviews and stuff like that. You know, I'm having to learn a lot of, on the camera side of it now when before I was just worried about taking a picture of the storm. But, uh, yeah, when you're out there chasing, it helps to supplement your income a lot. <laughs> yeah, I so are you, are you getting paid per number of outlets that are buying that then through whether it's Severe Studios or... Or are you just getting paid to be on the storms? How, how is that working out? No, you you actually have, you know don't get paid unless you get something good, you know. And that's that's one thing. There's a lot of people out there. Uh, you know, the tornadoes. Everybody wants to film tornadoes. You've got competition out there a lot. When I was filming tornadoes, uh, where I probably made most of my money when I was selling video was actually flooding and winter stuff. You know because. You know, it's really not that exciting, and uh, there's not as that many people does it. You know, so mm -hmm. you know that that is probably more money in doing other things other than tornadoes. Yeah. Now, which do you, Kelly? Which do you enjoy more? Is it is it tornadoes or uh, winter storms? Oh man, tornadoes all the way. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's it. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, what, I, what's I personally... your, tell, tell us ahead, what your Paul. setup looks like. I want to know what, what's your vehicle setup now. I mean, you've been doing this for five years, so I imagine every year there's some new contraption you're adding to your vehicle, but Give us an idea of what your vehicle setup looks like right now. What do you have in there? You know, if anybody's ever seen my vehicle, they wonder how I get in it. You know, I've got a pretty good sized computer sitting here in front of me and uh, a, one camera up in the windshield. And then I've got another console here that I run a uh, camera that's actually up on top of my vehicle. Uh, then I've got up on the dash, I've got a live view that I actually stream back to the weather channel with. So uh, there's not hard. I just kind of, it's kind of like crawling into a cockpit. You know, there's not a lot of room in <laughs> So mostly your laptop is kind of the only vehicle or only thing you're using as far as GPS, radar. Uh, I mean, what else are you looking at then on your laptop? Yeah, that's pretty, I run, of course, I run one stream through my, through there. I run a stream and then I run one road program. And then I usually run a GR level three and a GR earth. And uh, then a lot of times I'll have a Facebook on there, you know, so I can kind of uh, talk a lot to the fans and that, you know, that's one thing I've really keyed on a lot. You know, I've got a lot of people that's followed me ever since I started chasing and uh, we like to include them a lot right in the chase. Thank you for tuning in to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. You can watch our bi-weekly show live on youtube.com slash stormfrontfreaks and download the audio version on your favorite podcast player. For links to our Patreon team of exclusive benefits, show notes, past shows, new videos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our interactive chaser radar from our friends at zoomradar.com. If you'd like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.